Welcome to episode 428 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It is Friday, February 17th. I'm your host, Paul Spore. Joined once again, for the first time in a little while, by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going? It's going pretty good. I Oh, it's going pretty good. I liked it. I, I liked the, the, the uptick in your voice there. That was... Uh... That's uh, all thanks to a nice cold, thanks to my two-year-old who comes home just dripping stuff. And I believe we labeled your kids as germ factories last year? Yes, I th- yes. I think that was the name we gave them. The older and one's getting better at washing his hands and coughing to his elbow and doing all that's that. Good. But the, that's good. The two-year-old is just diving right into boogers and... <laughs> Boogers and uh, snot and diving into boogers like Scrooge McDuck dives into the gold coins at the beginning of DuckTales. He loves this stuff. Well, you know, I got to be honest. This is going to be a highly anticipated episode for folks, I, I believe, because it's going to be starting pitcher heavy. I think people really do enjoy when we talk a lot of starting pitchers. The consensus ranks came out, and then you posted your ranks just today. So they're diving in on those on Friday, uh, for those of you listening after the post date. And they've had a couple days to chew on the consensus ranks. So we're going to talk a bit on a few guys that you're higher than versus the consensus, and then a bit of of me versus you. A handful of guys that that you favor, a handful of guys that I favor, and we'll kind of get into uh, why we feel a certain way about them. We also have some awful pitching news to discuss and a couple of other transactions that we're going to hit on. They're actually hitters, so there's a little hitter talk here, but for the most part, it's pitchers, and that's going to lead us into our question of the day, which is, who was your toughest uh, rank? Who, who was the guy that you struggled with the most when you were putting together your rankings? Um, I think I struggled with, especially in the StatCast era, the guys that allowed really hard contact because, especially if they came with strikeouts and decent walk rates, or or the, on the other side, the guys that had allowed really soft contact. So it's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, the... I struggled with the thing that we've struggled with forever, which is, you know, how much control do we have? And these new numbers allow us to sort of talk about that in a better way and say, oh, you know, Michael Pineda gave up, you know, top 10 exit velocity on fly balls. However, we still don't have a great sense of how sticky that is year to year, how much control, how much is the pitcher missing his spots one year due to injury or, you know, there's still... I think a lot of gray area there, even though we've better defined what the issue is. I don't think that we know for certain, for example, not even a guy we're going to talk about for, but a guy like Kyle Hendricks, we don't know for certain that he's going to be able to continue keeping that, that exit velocity down. I mean, we know that he has good command, but what if that command is off a little bit or what if everybody starts keying in on the front door sinker and, you know, so there's certain, aspects to the StatCast era that I think we're kind of explorers in the moment, kind of, you know, Ponce de Leon in, in, in Florida, just kind of, we think we understand where we are, but we might think we're in Asia, you know what I mean? Like, you know, when he discovered Florida, he should have just done something to kind of blow it up off the map, because uh, if he had known... Some dynamite right Yeah, here. just see just four all along oh. the panhandle there and pop it right off into the ocean, let it be... I know. Sorry, Floridians, but come on. Listen, Floridians know that it's messed up. Colette. Actually, I don't know if Colette is going to either, I don't know if he's going to rise to that. No, he's going to agree. He used to to be at the forefront of blasting his own state. So I I think that we would have an an ally there. 
And let me, and let me at least claim some Floridian background. I lived in Vero Beach for about a year, a year and a half, and, uh, and Georgia for seven years. So at least so you I- You also speak from experience. You know uh, what it's like down there. I, and like the, all the Georgia, some people roll their eyes and be like, "Oh, Georgia, he just hates Florida because he lived in Georgia." Because there is a, a, a real Georgia-Florida uh, battle that happens. But uh, the biggest outdoor cocktail party, I believe, is what they call the uh, the college football game. So yeah, there's pl- plenty of battle there. Listen, if you got your if you got some takes that Florida is this amazing place, feel free to put them in the comments so we can <laughs> laugh at you. <laughs> all right, let's let's hit the sad news uh, right off the bat here and talk about Alex Reyes. Uh, going under the knife, has gone under the knife, I should say, for Tommy John surgery. It came quick. It was, hey, the elbow has a little twinge. This could be a big deal. A few hours later, going under the knife for, for Tommy John. It's, obviously, it ends his, his 2017 season before it even begins. He is 22. If there is a silver lining, of course, you know, it's that, that he can rebound from it. Uh, at this age, we've seen guys older rebound from it, but, how does it change your outlook on, on Reyes going forward? You know, we put, we, we talk to a lot of dynasty leaguers, um, on Twitter and, and that listen to the show. So they, they've got, they've got an interesting decision on their hands right now, uh, with Alex Reyes going under the knife. H- have things greatly changed for you and how you view him going forward now that he's going to have a TJ? Uh, you know, there's at least one team out there that tries not to draft anybody who's ever had TJ. So there's certainly teams that shy away from players that have had TJ before. And we know from Zach Wheeler most recently that every TJ doesn't take. You know, I think Zach Wheeler, I'm very nervous about him right now. It sucks that it has to be him, but it's a good lesson to remind us because I think that the baseball community at large takes TJ for granted at this point. We're like, oh, well, TJ, in fact, he might even come back better. This is, this, it, it's time that we have to wait for, and that's annoying, but it's not that bad. It can still go bad. It can still go really bad. And, and like you said, like we're seeing it plain and simple with him. You know, a guy who did come back last year and, and got back on track to, uh, his, his prospect status, and we're actually going to talk about him so we don't have to go too deep, but Jamison Tyon took two full years to yeah. come back. And thankfully he was young enough that he is just 24 last year and going into his age 25 season, but he missed two full years of development. So, you know, even with Reyes being so young, we don't know that he's just going to pop right back and, and be ready to go age 23 season next year. Um, so, you know, I think in a dynasty league, I know it's not the best time right now, but I might start thinking about Moving him again. I don't think I would do it this week. You don't want to do it as soon as that news is fresh, but maybe no. wait till the season. I mean, depends. If you can still get a good offer, sure. Consider but it if, as an as an asset. If you are a win now team, exactly. you might consider him more as a tradable asset now. Yes, and exactly. Um, you know, I think the most leagues that have keeper settings like this, that somebody was holding Alex Reyes coming into the season already owned him. Those are the kinds of leagues that are deep enough where you just hold him anyway. And, you know, if you're not a win now team, you, you can still hope that he'll be part of your winning team next year, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there's only, there's a very few types of settings where I drop him. Obviously redraft, you drop him. And then maybe, you know, in like a keep 10 situation where you were thinking, you know, oh yeah, he'll be my 10th keeper and he'll be a great pitcher to have this year. Maybe he's not a great keeper. You know, exactly because your tenth keeper in that situation, especially in the twelve fifteen league team, it might be a guy who's going to be healthy this year and next year. 
know. Yeah, those those are tough decisions at this point. Like, do do you do you keep him like you're saying, or do you say uh, maybe maybe I move on and let somebody else take that risk and kind of restart the cycle, or maybe you yourself do it. You say I'm not going to keep him, but I'll try to redraft him and and, and start the clock over. Something like that in, in a keeper league with Alex Reyes. So, you know, awful news all around. I will say, it, it, again, if there's a silver lining here for the Cardinals, it's that they do have options, right? Uh, they, they had a situation where they weren't even necessarily going to be able to use all their, uh, useful starters, uh, right at the beginning. In fact, Reyes might have been somebody who started in the bullpen or started down in the minors to keep his rotation day going while they have, uh, Wainwright, Leak, Waka, Carlos Martinez, and Lance Lynn, who's coming back from, from Tommy John. And so that, that that's the five they're going to go with now. They don't have Reyes. They did lose uh, Marco Gonzalez, who is now kind of at, hopefully at the tail end of his return from Tommy John. And they also have Luke Weaver and John Gantt. So, so you know, they should be able to cover it, but it, it, it's still a loss no matter what. doesn't matter what kind of depth you have. But it does go to the point that, you know, you hear a lot is that you can literally you just cannot have too much pitching. You just can't. there is there is a winner in this. It's I mean it's sad. We but we fantasy players know that uh, we are the worst of the world. Sometimes the second anything happens, how does it affect? <laughs> how does it affect my fantasy team? There is a winner. It's Michael Walker. Yep. Michael Walker now has a like a deter- he has a spot without really having to battle for it. I don't think Luke Weaver is going to take Michael Walker's spot. I don't think Trevor Rosenthal is going to take Michael Walker's spot. Michael Walker is good. maybe he'll be the fifth starter and get skipped some, but he's going to be their guy. And you know, honestly, I pegged him for a bit of a, a rebound, and I've always considered him a starter and never thought that he was really that risky this year. I agree. But um, especially with the fact that the team could have gone with Reyes in the minor leagues and blah 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 blah, blah uh, you know, innings blah blah blah. But the the thing that I like. I looked at Waka, and last year he got back to a vertical release point that he had in 2014. So there was something that happened mechanically in 2015 that I don't think was great for him. I think over the top is good for him because he gets a lot of ride on his four-seamer, and that separates out all of his pitches. When he's getting ride from his four-seamer, that makes his changeup look even more devastating, makes his curve... It makes it really gives him like a great sort of, you know, high and low look that, uh, that separates the two really well. The thing that I think really hurt him last year was the cutter. I think he fell in love with the cutter. And if you look at the pitch outcomes, the cutter was a home run twice more than the second most pitch. He didn't give up wow. a single home run on the curve. He gave up a home run on 0.3% of his four seams, 0.8% of his change, and 1.8% of his cutters. Wow. So the cutter had the worst whiff rate. It did have a 50% ground ball rate, but was it a so movement did most issue? of his pitches. Was, I mean, was, was there not enough movement? It is boring. I mean, the cutters can sometimes be boring. It's, uh, it's, it, it does satisfy a bit of a in between in terms of, um, it doesn't drop as far as his curve or his sure. change, and so it's sort of like an in-between thing. But if there's not a but ton of movement, it's just a three-mile-an-hour slower than his fastball. It and is a little. There's a little bit of that. Okay. A little bit of that. And then horizontally, the difference is only three inches, and I think there's other people that have way bigger differences. Like if you think about a cutter 
versus a guy who has a sinker, you know, there the difference can be six, seven, eight, nine inches. Absolutely. You know, so the difference horizontally for Waka is three inches. So yes, there is a vertical difference for his four seam, but if you're keyed on on the four seam and you get the cutter, I don't think it's enough of a difference. So I don't know what he needs to do there. Is either go to a slider, use the cutter less so it becomes more of a surprise pitch. I think he's going to step off the cutter a little bit, and four-seam change curve is pretty decent for me. Maybe Especially because his change is great. It can be used to both hands, too. Yeah, and it ticked up in usage uh, end of last year. So I think he saw, I think he saw, and the cutter ticked down a little bit. So I, I think he saw a little bit of that happening, and I think he'll... I think he'll get better. I think so, he'll be better. I, I, it's really good to bet on a guy who has two elite pitches and two other ones that he's fiddling with. I mean, it, maybe he pumps the curve usage up to 15% or something, you know? Um, that could be a big difference. So Yeah, there, I, I there's a lot to like with Waka. It's like uh, a toolsy prospect in a way. Like, he's got all the tools, um, and he's had, he's had success in the past. It's an easy one for me to bet on. I will definitely draft Waka this year. I completely agree. I was actually highest in the consensus rankings, having him 59th. He finished 78th overall, uh, getting into the 90s for a few of the guys in the rankings, and you had him 66th on yours, which, which is a negligible difference between you and I going 59 and 66, especially in that cluster. Maybe we'll talk about it a bit more after we hit on these two hitter transactions. I, I feel like, Maybe around 45, 50 to, and I felt this way last year too, to about 85, 90. There's not a ton of difference. Yeah, and you might as well not even gap. look at the rankings. You might as well just pick a guy you like when you exactly. get Exactly. I mean, it, it, that sounds like such a large gap to say that, but I, I really feel that way. Somebody could make a case to me that, hey, Alex Cobb is going to bounce back and, and be great. And he shouldn't be down in the 80s. He should be up, you know, where Joe Ross is. And I could say, well, and I, and I, I'll I say he that. never found that splitter last year. <laughs> and he didn't. And that was, a, that was a big issue. But like Tanner Roark, who, who you have at 83 and oh, the consensus yeah. had at 46. That seems like a huge split. I understand that. But when you start looking at all the guys in that range, you're seeing small differences. And so I was uh, really sort of blown away to see him at 46. Where do you have him at? Let me me pull that up. I think I was actually uh, among the higher ones. I had him at 50. So I was right there in in line with with the That was surprising to me. He's a real on-again, off-again guy in terms of his career. And you can see his two years of like a two five two eight type ERA and two years of a four ERA. Mm-hmm. And you know, as much as I like, I feel like I was one of the guys who was early on him. Yeah. Because you know, we we noticed uh, it was maybe you or I. I don't know. We I feel like we were pretty early on him because we noticed that he changed the fastball. I talked to him about you know changing from the four seam to the sinker. It's kind of the Keiko situation where it was a big time change, or Kluber situation was a big time change in primary fastball. And I like that, but at the same time, the sinker is not a plus pitch. It's just become an average pitch, and he has three other average pitches. There's no plus pitch in the repertoire, if you ask me. It's an average change, an average slider, an average curve, and an average sinker. Altogether, when he's working well, it can play above average. But in terms of true talent to me, Tanner Rourke is an average guy. And if you look at traditional stats, stats that we don't even really talk about a lot of times, but if you look at the traditional stats, his BABIP in the good years is 270, and yep. his BABIP in the bad years is like 3, 310. I'll so, tell you where he won for me, though, was that 
it, it can be average. I'm, I'm not really seeing a sub three ERA again, but I am seeing like, I actually kind of agree with where the fans have them. The fans projection was 330, 122 for the ERA and whip in 197 innings. So I see a big innings count of quality work. 330, okay, so fine. If you're a little bit more pessimistic, you bump that up to 350, 360. That's not that many runs. You're talking about the, the innings piece there. I like having a guy that I can rely on, and I think he's much more comfortable, Roark is, as a starter. He talked about how much he did not like relieving, and it's weird. You don't usually see guys get worse in the bullpen, but he did. And so I just – I like him as a as a boring innings eater. It's, that's not a ringing endorsement, but that's where I was able to get him up at 50, although I was, uh, I was one of the lowest in the consensus. Uh, let's see. This is – Jeff had him at 70. Jeff's, Jeff's a stats guy, so you know that that 2015 was weighed in there uh, probably pretty heavily. And also, his FIP last year, I know FIP is a blunt instrument, but it was a 3.79, and so that's why the projections have him, you know, near 4 ERA. Well, and even in 2014, when he had a 285 ERA, it was at 347. So the, the, ERA indicators have always said that Roark has, has, has been swimming above his head there with the, with the ERA totals that he's been putting up. So if you are expecting sub three, I would definitely want to disabuse you of that. But I do think that he can be a solid mid threes guy for 190 plus innings. So that's, that's where I like somebody like Roark. But let's, uh, let's hit on these other two, uh, transactions here real quick. Brandon Phillips finally accepts a deal. Which, you know, at this point we were thinking there's no way that's ever going to happen. He's rejected like 47 deals. Actually, I think it's only been like three. Uh, but a team that he had well, previously... He rejected one, two, yeah, exactly. To the team that he's going to. <laughs> he had rejected one to Atlanta. But things changed with uh, with this car accident that Sean Rodriguez got into that uh, is now going to put him on the on, on the sidelines for three to five months. I mean, it basically is tanking his season. Coming off of a quality season last year, Sean Rodriguez had, gets a nice little deal to go over to Atlanta. He was looking like he was going to be an instrumental part to this club. I don't think that they see themselves as some major contenders, but they're trying to put a decent team on the field. He gets a two-year, $11.5 million deal. I mean, again, this Sean Rodriguez, uh, age 32, you know, hadn't really done a whole lot in the majors. And so that's a, that's a pretty slick little deal for him. And now he's going to virtually miss the entire season. So that Phillips became another target uh, or became a target again for them. One great thing that we heard right away from Buster Olney was that Brandon Phillips coming over was not going to impact Dansby Swanson's slotting in the uh, in the lineup. That was a big concern, and that was uh, that was cleared immediately. So he's still going to bat second, most likely, and Phillips is going to be down in the six hole. How do you feel about Phillips in in uh, in Atlanta? Is, is there get a little bit rejuvenated down there? Is he the same guy that he is? Like I, I don't know what to make on him. Second base is so deep that I don't really care. But how do you feel about Phillips? Yeah, I think it's not going to make too much of a blip. It's, I mean, it's in anything, it's probably not great for his power. And, um, you know, he played in a really nice power park and just barely got to 10 homers, you know, basically. Yeah, one of the best parks. Yeah. So if we're talking about a guy who's going to struggle to hit 10 homers and struggle to steal 10 bases and struggle to, you know, maybe he hits to a, his career 275 280 I mean, he's been 290 the last couple of years what if he if he hits 290 and he's a 1010 guy he'll be useful in deep leagues where especially where you know you might be surrounded by people who are going for upside and and you know picking younger guys and sure. and just look past the veteran who who's boring and but you know at this point he's 35 years old so there's not much upside and even if you bought last year's stats you'd probably be buying high so you'd really just want to wait 
maybe he's a, a good target in, you know, like a fifth, not even fifth, 15. I'm sure there's gotta be, you know. I'd, I'd say maybe as a middle, but I don't know. Like I said, I think second base is really deep. A guy I, I keep like hammering. And I'll only MI where yep. you get him for $2 and he's actually worth, you know, five to seven. I, I think yeah. that's perfect. That, I'm not even going to add to that. Let's just move on because I think that caps it on, on Brandon <laughs> Phillips. Uh, Adam Lind out to Washington. A lot of, a lot of NL East news right now. Um, you know, basically fills in for another Adam who they didn't have last year that they, uh, for the first year, which was Adam LaRoche. So they like guys, Adam L. Adam L's are, are their guys. So, uh, Adam Lind out to Washington. You know, dude still crushes righties. Uh, should be interesting. The, the, maybe the downside I think here is he's going to have to play the field, of course. And, you know, he, he has had health concerns pretty much throughout his career. And I think that's kind of what has stunted Lind from becoming maybe what his prospect type suggested. Remember, he has a 305, 35, 114 season back in 2009 at age 25 that I think a lot of us thought, well, here's the beginning of of some greatness from Adam Lind. And then he really kind of fell into a uh, a 2070 sort of guy. Uh, based on health, uh, or if you kind of extrapolated for health because he did have a 93 game season there in 2012. And now he's back to that the last two years, 2087 in Milwaukee, 2058, um, last year with Seattle, the average was way down. But like I said, you get a guy who can hit righties. Is this a, is this a Ryan Zimmerman platoon then? I think it's a mess. I think it, torpedoes both of their values and makes it really hard to bet on either of them in almost any format. Before the signing, I thought Zimmerman hit the ball hard last year, and if yep. he could just raise his launch angle at all, you know, at 32 years old, it's not impossible. You know, he could raise his, if he could raise his launch angle just a little bit, then he could find that home, that, that home run power again. But now, with Lind in the fold, I look back and I say, well, you know what? His ground ball for fly ball rate last year was almost exactly the same as it was the year before. And basically, in four out of the last six years, he's been in that 1.4 uh, ground ball for fly ball mix or higher. So the whole hitting too many ground balls thing has been going on for a while for him. And, and health been has real been a big... nightmare for Ryan Zimmerman as well. Yeah, and it's been a real big part of why his power has gone away. So to me, 15 homers is the cap on Zimmerman. Was is the cap now, for, especially? And you even the batting average, you're kind of like, well, if he's hitting it into the ground, and then if it's a 260 guy, with yeah, I mean maybe his OBP will be all right, but you know, Lind can do some OBP, mm-hmm. and uh, you know Lind is actually older. That's sort of amazing to me. But Lynn is coming off of two better seasons with the stick. And he's a lefty. Yeah. So, you know, I think this is FUBAR. I, I, I don't even know what to say. I think, you know, in a way, Lynn should have the front runner seat. But Ryan Zimmerman is the guy with the bigger contract who's been there longer. So, well, the you know, even though he's a righty, you know, you know, it makes me think also of like, how does this fit into the, to the lineup? So they've got Harper and um, and Murphy from the left side. Uh, so you say, okay, well, maybe Zimmerman balances them out, except that they have Rendon and Turner from the right. Mm-hmm. Um, and Eaton. Uh, so, Eaton's left. So that's oh, Eaton, that Murphy, left. Harper, but then everybody else that's slated for the and lineup Worth, is righty. Worth is a lefty. No, he's a righty. 
Where's the writing? Yeah, actually, oh. it's funny that you say that you you thought he was a lefty. I've always in my brain put him as a switch hitter for some reason. <laughs> always. Well, anyway, I, I just don't think this this team needs a righty <clears throat> for I balance. Agree. It doesn't. So, you know, if if Zimmerman starts off poorly, all of a sudden Linda's in there against righties. That could make Lind, you know, a dollar play in National Leagues, but I don't think it makes him anything better than that. Okay. National League only. So I think that's fair. It's kind of like you're kind of screwed on both fronts. I don't, I don't really see a great play here. No, I, I, I think that's completely fair. It's just, uh, they look like they could be in kind of a strict platoon. Um, you know, worth, uh, Zimmerman probably going to steal some at bats against righties again. I just think that he has, some stock there. Not that this is the right way to do it, but again, you know, he's a Washington Nationals institution. He's going to get a chance to play if he's, if he's healthy. So he's even going to get some, some chances against righties, uh, and probably all the chances against lefties. Lind is definitely think, a, a platoon bat at this point. I think what I'd watch is news about Zimmerman's health in spring. Yep. If there's any sort of, oh, he's, he's out today because of his wrist or whatever it is. Then Lind inches forward because he's already got that lefty, that leftiness on his side. Okay. I think that's fair. All right. Let's talk pitching. Got lots to, lots to cover here. Let's talk about you versus the consensus first. And these are not just the three that you're higher on, uh, by whole numbers. I pick, I picked three guys, but the, the one that you are the, the highest on in comparison, this is the number one guy. It was Robert Gazelman, uh, out with the Yankees. You're 48 spots different. Uh, between the consensus, you had him as your 75th pitcher. The consensus ranking, rankings had him at 123. So basically the difference there is that you're saying he's draftable probably in like a 15 team mixed, whereas the consensus was saying pretty much ignore him in anything but like reserves of, of NL only leagues really. So my guess, and I, I can speak for all the rankers, but, but since I was part of that, I will, I will uh, kind of give that side was, I, I think they're like, I think, and this is before the news yesterday, so I'll, I'll cover that in a moment too. They're wondering where, where is he going to pitch? You know, he, he's, he's the sixth guy, maybe the seventh guy if they like Lugo better behind Thor, DeGrom, Harvey, Matz, and Wheeler. However, you just cited it earlier and we got some news that Wheeler is still struggling and, and doesn't look like he's necessarily going to be ready. And that, I think would change the perspective. Obviously with that extra news, uh, if you ask the guys to re-rank, maybe they would all bump Gazelman up a little bit and Lugo a little bit, uh, their preference between those two. But it seems like between those two, at least uh, Gazelman and Lugo, you've definitely selected Gazelman. So talk to us a bit about, uh, the, the Jake deGrom lookalike, at least from a hair standpoint. Well, <clears throat> I don't think I'm giving away anything when, because there's a lot of people involved in, remember that there's a lot of people involved in drafting a player. Mm-hmm. So there's not, there's no one single person that you can identify with this piece of news. But I talked to somebody who was involved heavily in drafting both Giselman and Lugo, and I, t- I made him pick, and he picked Giselman. So that's okay. just, that's just one piece of data. Sure. The other is, I, the stuff that, the, the, the words that they're saying about Wheel, Wheeler don't really make sense right now. They're talking about scar tissue being the cause, and they say, they're saying it's scar tissue from the platelet rich, uh, injection they gave him. That doesn't make sense to me from what I've heard before. So, to me, this is, there's something going on with the original surgery. And, this is not the first piece of bad news with regard to the Tommy John surgery. He already had to have platelet rich 
injections in the offseason and had to step off of his rehab before. So this is basically the second time he's had to step off the rehab, which just to me feels like one of those situations where, uh uh-oh, you know, the wheels are starting to come off here. He should be in camp talking about how good he feels. Exactly. We're like a full, full year out, you know? I mean, we're talking a full year and an off season. This is it's, this it's is on a the, lot of time. This is a high the slow end. side. Yep. Yeah. So I uh, so I have Wheeler out uh, for maybe a minor surgery or maybe another full year surgery, but I have him out of the out of the current depth chart in my head. So it becomes Giselle versus Lugo. So then I go back to the sort of the the guy drafted and picked. Okay, so that's one piece of information. Uh, Lugo versus Giselle. There's Lugo's. Uh, a unique pitch guy where he has, he probably has the best secondary pitch of the two guys with the, the high spin rate, you know, breaking all, breaking all the records spin rate on the curveball. However, his fastball is two miles an hour slower. You probably have to favor the guy with the better fastball, you know, at first. And then Giselleman, you know, he has a whiff. I've talked about this, a, a pitch, a, a kitchen sink around him where he has three or four pitches he throws and we don't know which one's a great one. However, I think the slider cutter thing is pretty good. So now you have a guy who has the better sinker. He has probably the third best pitch. If you're going to just put Lugo and Giselman pitches all in a bag, he has the best pitch in terms of fastball at least. And then he has, then you go Lugo's curveball and then you go Giselman's slider. So he's got two of the top three pitches of the two of them and he's got more pitches than Lugo, which is always a good thing. Um, and then the, there's the one statistical thing that's interesting. He had like a .35 home run per nine rate in the minor leagues. And so a lot of people are taking his home run rate and regressing it. Now, I don't think he's going to have a 3.6 home run per fly ball rate next year, but I'm not sure he's going to have a 10%. He has a really good sinker. And uh, so the projections have him going to one homer per nine. I'm going to take uh, the under on that. Fans have him at .5. I might go in between 0.5, 0.7, somewhere in there. And, uh, you know, with this deep array of pitches, I can see some of this strikeout rate surge that he had sticking. Okay. So I'm closer to the fans. I might be more of a 3.5, 3.6, 1.2 guy. That'd be nice, though. It doesn't cost I anything. Him, where I put, yeah, exactly. Where I put him is not uh, like 3.3 three territory. I put him as like a your final guy. In uh, in a 15-team league. Exactly. There's no expectations. Even if he moved up to where you have him, uh, there would be no expectations that he has to perform. I'm I'm trying to find him here on the uh, on the ADP for NFBC drafts right now. And I think, hang on, I think I, I know what's going to happen. Did he pitch in the? Yeah, he, they, they list him under relievers right now. But he's the 370th player off the board. Yeah. And I mean. <laughs> That that's nothing. That's a that's a nothing cost to put that in relation to the starters. That puts him right around, right in between Jaime Garcia and Jose Barrios, which would make him the 105th pitcher off the board. Right, and, and that's and then there's a, a little part of my rankings, which is I I think of 12 to 15 team leagues. So in that grouping from you know you talked about a grouping from 50 on, I don't know I I'd probably say a grouping that starts around 70. Uh, you know, 70 plus and goes down to 90. Oh, between 70 agree. and 90 is a group where that's your final pitcher to me. Okay. And what I want out of that is upside. That's why I have Brandon Finnegan down there. 
That's why, you know, even a guy like Adam Conley, Mike Montgomery, who's not even slated to start, if you, necessarily, if he does take that job, I, I really like him. Luis you know, Tyler Glasnow is, Tyler Glasnow is working on his delivery. We're and, gonna get into Glasnow here in a moment, right. too. So anyway, that's a grouping. Jose de Leon, that's where I like Jose de Leon. I do not like Jose de Leon at 38. You know, we're going to talk about that too. But there's, this is a group where I like them as final pitchers. Junior Guerra, Junior Guerra, Robert Zellman. You know, they're late career finds. You know, Junior Guerra's 30, Zellman's younger, but they have been more than their minor league stats. They're, I think they're better than their projections. And they're really interesting guys that won't cost you anything that you could t- you could pick as your last pitcher and get a great starting pitcher out of it. So I like it. Maybe not great, but you get like a you know like a it's number ten prices for a guy who can be your fantasy number four. I would I had uh, Gazelman 103rd, and that was before the Wheeler news. I would definitely change that. I don't know exactly how much higher I would boost him, but I could see upwards of 15 spots. So then you and I would become much closer at that point, and then he'd be in that same range where you're talking. Because I agree with you. Not only is that is that maybe 40 to 70 rank a, a cluster, but then 71 to maybe even 100 is another big cluster where you can make cases for guys even at, at each end of it to kind of flip spots if, if it's a preference thing. So I think pitching's really tight again this year once you start getting deeper into the ranks. Uh, another guy that we, I, I feel like we're obligated to talk about him because, I, yes, we have a lot t- talked a lot about him in the past, but now we need to assess what we're going to do with Michael Pineda, uh, a.k.a. Michael Pineda, in 2017. And you were actually... Uh, you thought that you had t- you tamped him down because what you said what you did was you looked at the auction calculator first and then kind of com- you know compared your rankings to the auction calculator first and then the consensus. So when you saw that Pineda was 17th on the auction calculator and you had him 43rd, you're like, well, yeah, I gave him a nice hit. But you were actually 20 spots higher than the consensus. Uh, and there was some interesting ranks for him in the consensus uh, for Pineda. Let me tell you what we had here. Justin Mason, in fact, the first comment on the on the pitcher ranks post was, so Justin, when Michael Pineda punched your dog, did he use his right hand or his left hand? And that comment comes from the fact that Justin had him 124. So if you guys thought I had hate for Michael Pineda because I was I was pretty hard on him last year and 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 you know throughout the off season so far, then you got another thing coming. We got to get Justin on here to talk about that for sure because I wasn't even close to that. I actually had him 40, and I like you thought, hey, this is a little bit measured. I'm acknowledging the skills, but I'm saying I'm not going to be putting this guy as one of my top two pitchers. So even if we uh, discount that though, because there's an adjusted rank where uh, they take they take out the highest and the lowest, and I think Jeff has him 31st. Again, Jeff's a stats guy, so those great component numbers are going to give him a good ranking. So you take out the 31st and you take out the 124, and all of a sudden he's ranked 58th. But that's still that's still Not, a yeah, still a chunk. It's a different still tier. a difference, right? For me, I had a tier. Uh, I had Pineda basically in my SP3 tier, yep. and 58 would put him in SP4. So it's a difference between taking Pineda around uh, Gerard Eikhoff, Discofani, Odorizzi, Skaggs versus where I had him. And I think this is a really good name. I want to put this name there in your in your ear hole, Robbie Ray. Oh, so, listen, before you go too on, much why, further. Why do people love Robbie Ray so much? And hate Michael Pineda so much. Colette and I did a Ray versus Pineda. 
We, we were, yeah. I'm 100% with you that these two, you have to talk about them very similarly. They're these skilled yeah. guys that have contact and what I think are command issues that they can control the strike zone. They'll, they'll, they'll and, um, Pineda more than Ray, they will fill the strike zone up all day, but a lot of times it's with poor strikes. And so and when they're they miss. And they're also poor, they're really bad third time through the order. Yep. Both of them. Yep. Um, they, they lose strikeouts. They, they give up way more balls in play the third time through the order. They're two pitch guys. And it's hard to contact know, that third plus time. Plus velocity, plus velocity, good sliders, right handers. No, actually right hander versus left hander, but still, you know, gives you a, a sense of what can happen. I, I guess you would actually prefer Pineda in this situation, given all things being equal, because he has the platoon advantage more often. So, um, I, I just thought that they were, they were, uh, comparable and not to reach too far I- into the future because we have Jameson Tyon on the list, but Jameson Tyon's right there too. Mm-hmm. And I actually see Jameson Tyon as a two pitch pitcher. Now he, he's given up better contact because the, his, he's a sinker more than a four seam guy. Yes. That's been, a, that was a big revelation for him, but I have Jameson Tyon ahead of them because that, that's one of the reasons. Um, but, uh, it was, that was a, a really weird tier for me from 30 to 50. I got real nervous. It's hard. It was really strange. I mean, when I go one through thirty, and you didn't actually uh, point out the Fulmer thing, but um, I have Fulmer at thirty-two. The auction calculator has him at sixty-three. I guess it's because consensus have him at forty. So I think the reason I didn't is because I have him at thirty-one. So I don't. I, I saw your ranking as amazing. Agree. Yeah, he's he's got great stuff. He's going to trend towards his swing strike rate. We talked about him last week. We don't have to talk about it anymore. But that's around where, like, I, there's like a like a subjective feeling when you pick a pitcher, where early on you're like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, and then you're like, eh. <laughs> exactly. It it, it and, changes quickly though too, and you get into the, eh, I'll take yeah. I'll take this guy. He's got a wart because the warts start so much earlier this year. So much earlier. And last year I said that the first tier of starting pitchers is 17 deep. Then we had another year of crazy home runs, and now even guys like Verlander, people ask me about Arietta, I have a little bit lower, and I had him below the, the ace tier. The problem for me is Arietta's getting older. Yep. Lester's getting older. We don't know if that, that amazing defense is going to be the same with Schwarber out there and, and Castillo behind the plate and, and Zobris another year older. So, you know, uh, we don't know that they're going to have the best ever defense. Justin Verlander is, is old. Kyle Hendricks, soft contact. Carlos Martinez, injury. Rich Hill, injury. Zach Greinke, will he get the slider back? Tanaka's hanging on. So I do like those pitchers. It gets even worse after that tier where all of a sudden Matt Harvey, I don't know. Dallas Keuchel, God. Shoemaker, probably. Probably. I love Aaron Nola, but, you know, so the it's elbow like. elbow for him. Yeah, yeah. elbow and you know, he didn't have good results. Stroman, do we believe the strikeout rate, you know, in the first half or the second half? So, uh, I, I, like, it just got 30, 1 through 30, I'd be happy. Like, if I could get three pitches out of that, I might take a, a break from starting pitching and jump back in in the 70s even, you know, uh, because I feel like there's a lot of helium in those, in the third and fourth tiers that is maybe a little bit early. Julio, Urias, Urias, people love him. How many innings is he going to get? Twelve. They're going to tamp him down at the beginning. They're going to give him a long break over over the All Star game. You know, they're going to skip him. They're going to do everything they can because they want him in the in the postseason. So, exactly. You know, uh, Smiley. I don't know. Joe Ross never had a third pitch. Felix Hernandez, super old. Adam Wainwright, super old. 
Anthony Scafani, I like him, but you know, I don't think there's any more ceiling left. Yeah, Matt, how high is the, the upside? Last year is about the best you can expect. Gerard Eikhoff, still kind of an iffy uh, velocity guy. You know, he he might need to kind of go Rich Hill angle where he just throws a ton of breaking balls. Taiwan Walker, I would, I'm not even that into him except they took 15 bone spurs out of his foot. So maybe that was had something to do with his injury. But this tier, I don't like. You know, like I, there's well, some because guys it's that not, I can wait and like, but I don't like it very much. Because it's not so different from the tier after, and why not just take the the the, yeah. the discount if you're not getting that much different uh, of a pitcher? So I, I completely agree with you there. Uh, one other guy I wanted to talk about uh, on you versus the consensus before you and I battle over some guys is Drew Pomeranz because this was a guy I was actually pretty hyped on after after what he did last year. I thought he'd actually come over to Boston. I've said actually like 20, 24 times there. Um, I thought it, it's like you're honestly. Honestly. I, I thought he would come over and, and do pretty well with Boston. He got off to the bad start, hit a good run, and then fell, fell on the skids yet again. So he was really up and down with them, but more down than up. And I don't think it was because, you know, he was a fraud in San Diego. I, I just think that he had some bad outings in a small sample. In fact, you look, he had three five earned run outings with them, uh, five earned runs or more in the span of, what was it, like, hang on, I'm trying to see how many starts he had with them. He had 13 starts, and so he had three five-plus for Pomeranz. He only had two in tw- in 17 starts with San Diego. So I, I, I don't think it was, and not even all of them were at home. One of them was in L.A. against the Angels. So you can't even just say that, oh, you know, he came over to the AL and, and Fenway ate him up. I think Pomeranz can bounce back. You seem to agree because you had him at 51st compared to the consensus and auction calculator both agreeing at 65. So uh, talk to me a little bit about Drew Pomeranz. I know they're very lefty heavy there. Um, is he somebody that's going to stay in the rotation the whole year and, uh, and and find some success in Boston, Drew Pomeranz? Well, I think one thing that's that is – missed a little bit when looking at Drew Pomerantz is that he throws so many damn curves. So many. And Speaking of Rich Hill, I mean he yeah he he's about the closest thing to Rich Hill uh that, that isn't flat on flat out Rich Hill style. And if you look at when he started to throw so many curves and then you look at his Babip, you're like, oh you know curves really produce the highest ground ball rate of any pitch and one of the lower Babips. So if a guy, you know, threw a ton of curves, it wouldn't be too surprising for him to have a low batting average on balls in play. So I'm not sure that he's going to have this 297 BABIP that the depth charts say he will. If you look at Steamer, which is a big part of depth charts, they're at, he, they have him at 283. And the fans have him at 288. I think they're all sort of missing the boat. I think it'll be 275 or lower. I'd set the over-under at 275. That's his career BABIP, by the way. Wow. In 463 innings. So, you know, if he's got a 275 Babbitt and he's striking out a guy per inning and the walk rate isn't terrible, uh, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll have a, you know, like a 3-5-ish ERA. Three, maybe even less. And, uh, and have a, a, a whip under 1.2 and be a strikeout guy for you. So, yeah, there's an injury problem with him as as there was with Rich Hill, but I don't think it's as bad as Rich Hill. No. And there was a lot of role changing that had something to do with his in, his in his pitch numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Like the athletics were switching him from the starting to to relieving. 
So, you know, if he was, he was mostly healthy in 2015, 86 innings with some of it starting, some of it relieving, that's pretty good. So if you give him mostly healthy and then 170 innings, that's mostly healthy. So maybe everyone's missing the boat on innings too, because even the fans only give him 140 innings. So I'm going to give him 160 innings of a 3-5-1-2, you know, nine strikeouts per, per nine. I'll take that from Pomerantz. So, I'll take that all day. Yeah, I think that's, that's, and that's where, I think that's worth where he is. I mean, where do, where, I, where do I have him now? I have him, um. Get him 51st. By the way, he is, Pomerantz. he is basically. I have him actually, yeah. Uh, he is basically Rich Hill. I thought the disparity was a little bit bigger, yeah. but it's 39% curveball usage for Pomerantz, 42% even for on, Hill. So he's a younger yeah, Rich even, Hill. And even on spin rates, they're not that far, and he even added a cutter like, like Hill. So I, I think he just watched some video of Hill. So <laughs> Why not? If, it was working. You, yeah. So I, I, I'm actually excited about him, and I put him at the end of a tier. Blake Snell was hard for me. I like Blake Snell a lot, but I, he needs to do more. Pomerantz Same. just needs to repeat. Snell needs to do more. So what I saw Pomerantz was the, I thought Pomerantz was the last SP3 in a way. Cause I would, I wouldn't want Felix Hernandez to be my SP3. So he has a lot to do. Joe Ross has to get healthy and I would really want him to throw that change up a little bit more. Smiley has a lot of work to do. Um, you know, we talk about Urias. Odorizzi has been searching for that third pitch forever. So do Pomerantz was, I thought he came after a, a group of guys I really like. I, I do like Carlos Rodon better. Uh, just because the, the, the ceiling is way higher. Ceiling is ace. Ceiling is, with his stuff is, is way up there. Absolutely. And John Gray, same deal. John Gray's got a new changeup grip. He already had a lot going on with the curve and the slider, so. If John Gray can avoid that, that seven, eight earned run shellacking at, at some point yeah. in Coors, then he can be low threes for a full season. Yeah, and with a better bullpen, you know, maybe the team takes him out earlier. I maybe like it's not plan. a development year. Maybe it's not a development year. Maybe he gives up three earned runs in the first three innings and they don't leave him out there for the seven, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, which is, that's a weird thing that I don't know that we can really, uh, get a handle on, but, uh, in terms of statistically predicting that sort of thing. But when a team is better, they probably don't leave a guy out there to, to get bombed. So, um, and I think the team is going to get a little better. So I think DuPromance represents a sort of watershed moment where you're like, okay, that's the last guy that I'd really, that I kind of want instead of taking shots at guys. Okay. You know, after Drew Pomerantz, I think you're taking shots. And, you're kind of gathering, you know, lottery tickets. And you're in line with the NFBC market. They have him as a 56th, uh, starting, starter off the board, uh, about pick 213. So that definitely works. And I, I have him at 74. But I actually agree with a lot of what you're saying, so I think I need to adjust him up a little bit and get him ahead of some of these guys that are in that similar range. Again, I keep reiterating how close this range is, but that I, I don't have as much confidence in. So I, I, I think I, uh, I sold him short there. You have sold me that Pomeranz will be better than, than I initially gave him credit for. So, so good on you there. Now you're gonna have to sell me on some other guys though, because you and I have some big discrepancies here. And it's gonna start with a few guys that we've already talked about. First one is honestly, it's not even a talent thing. Uh, it's really an innings thing, but we have a 63 slot difference on Jose De Leon. I put him 140, which means I, I don't think he's going to get many innings. You put him 77th, which means you think he actually has a chance to, uh, you know, probably log what, 140-ish innings at least. Give me a little bit on your outlook for Jose De Leon going over to Tampa Bay in that, uh, Logan Forsyth trade. It's a complicated situation in Tampa Bay in terms of what the rotation is going to look like. They have a lot of guys and they could go in a lot of different directions. 
But I think I've talked about how Alex Cobb didn't really find a splitter. So, you know, I'm a little bit worried about him. I think Matt Andres is maybe a sixth starter by True Talent. I think I was a little bit lower than most people on him. Mm-hmm. So that leaves a lot of room for DeLeon to, to jump in there and either be the fourth starter even, you know, um, or the fifth starter. So, yeah, I give him, you know, 130, 140 innings. I think they'd rather have Andres in the pen you know, a soak up guy, a swing um, man. You know, if, if yeah. he needs to make a spot start, sure, but otherwise, be that two inning bridge. How they used Erasmo Ramirez last year, but they kind of wore Erasmo out. So instead of making right. Erasmo Ramirez do that all the time, you have Andres and Ramirez, who you know can go through the lineup a full time, maybe even a time and a half if if you have somebody get bombed out and only go three innings uh, to to start a game or something like that. So I can certainly see it over Andres. I just worry when they have a young guy who I don't think is completely done cooking because they like to slow roast their pitchers in Tampa Bay. And so I just could see, yeah, yeah, even their, even their hitting prospects. That's why I wouldn't get too hyped on Willie Adamas. Uh, even if, even if you're looking at some of the prospect rankings with him. So like I said, me, here's the other one other thing. Go ahead. The auction calculator has Jose Leon 38. Yeah, yeah, we needed to talk about that. Uh, it's a little bit like the Pineda situation where I was like, oh, I dinged him enough. You yeah, know? exactly. And, well, here's the thing. That Again, that's just the discrepancy between uh, you and me. Let me see where the consensus uh, – the actual consensus was actually pretty low on him too, 113. So you're actually pretty high compared to the consensus well, as I'm, well. But you could also say it as I'm right in between, you know. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like 30 – 30 higher than the consensus and 40 lower than the auction calculator. To me, he felt like a guy that I would like to take a shot on. So, you know, I actually have Cobb below him just because on talent, I'm taking DeLeon right now. And, um, but, you know, Cobb, DeLeon, Giselman, Junior Guerra, uh, Adam Conley, Tyler Glasnow, Brandon Finnegan. That's the kind of guy I'll end up with as my last pitcher. And that's where they are. They're in the 70 through through 90, you know? Junior Garrett gets no love, but we we basically agree on him. I have him 66, you have him 73, so we're not really well, going to get into him. We're but... going in with our projections, I won't get DeLeon. I'll probably get Junior Guerra or I'll get Brandon Finnegan. Yep. But it's still, that's where he fits to me, is a guy with a, a lot of talent who didn't do super well in his first go-around, but... You know, I think command might be one of those things where you have to have the confidence before, you know, I, I always say command is equal parts confidence, athleticism, and repeatable, repeatability. You know, that's mechanics, body, and confidence, and head. Mental, those are the yep. three things that have to come together to, to, to give you like that. Uh, great command. And, you know, for uh, DeLeon, you know, coming up and getting, you know, beat around a little bit, might just that might be the problem is just the the uh the results early on it may not be anything else you may still have a really clean repeatable mechanics and and may still have the the ability to put it you know where he wants it but he's stretching that spot and he's putting it further out because he's worried they're going to whoop it so well let's um, let's move on to tire glass now another young guy and you talk about command and that's my biggest issue with him because I have him uh 128, you have him 87. So even you at 87, you're not saying go get him in every mixed league. Uh, he's definitely a deeper mixed league sort of guy. 
I'm just really worried. When you when you reach a certain height, honestly, when you start getting six six and beyond as, as a starter, I, I start to worry a little bit if I haven't seen you ever really uh, show control, which means there's a, a repeatability issue. I understand the appeal. Uh, of Tower Glass now based on his raw stuff and his size. You see him as a, as a presence out there. This is a guy who's walked nearly five, uh, per nine throughout his entire 500 inning minor league career and, uh, did exactly that in the 23 inning MLB stint that he had last year. I'm just not sold that it's going to come together in short order. Um, it, he could, he strikes me as somebody Tower Glass now does who could be, you know, breaking out in three years from now because he would still only be age 26. It wouldn't be that surprising. So I'm just not really bothering with him this year. Sorry, I just hit my knee on my desk. Um, it seems like you you do have some scenarios where you would take a flyer on him either as your last pitcher or as a reserve situation, though. So talk to us about what you see from uh, Tower Glass now perhaps this year with the Pirates. One thing is he's revamping his delivery. The other thing is he's got a new change of grip. I think those are the types of things that he needs to be working on that um, that will allow him to to shine. The last thing is they need him. They That's a great were point. bad. They have really bad. And I know the top thing on his page right now says that he'll start in AAA unless he blows the doors off the hinges. But I think he probably will blow the doors off of spring training hinges. I mean, he's he is that kind of talent. And then if they don't use him, that means Chad Cool is in, Drew Hutchinson is in, or, or Stephen Bro, Bro, it's gotta be Bro. I, I think it's Bro. I think you pronounce the L and the T. Bro, dude. Drew Hutchinson for Cy Young. Bro, Bro, Bro. It's Bro. He's it's French. It's Bro. I'm, anyway. I'm just telling you how the announcers. Are <laughs> how other how normal how, people how say norms that. are out there pronouncing <laughs> it. Who's who's the center fielder for the for the Miami Marlins? Christian what? Uh, Yelich. Yeah, Yelich. <laughs> exactly. Yelich. Well, he's German, so it's Yelich. I know. I know. You see, you're out here making correct <laughs> pronunciations based on their country of origin. And we're just out here being American clowns and going, Stephen Brault. Stephen Brault coming oh, in now. Oh. Jameson Talion. <laughs> I like, I like when people pronounce like. <laughs> his name because they're remo- they're switching the I is what they're doing. They're moving it over like it's T-A-L-L-I-O-N. <laughs> and they're like, Jameson Talion. Well, okay. I should be like Tyone. It, it is Tyone. <laughs> and, and baseball reference even puts that. T I E hyphen O W N. It is Tyone. What does baseball reference say for bro? Uh, let me look. Let me look. Steven Brault. Uh, it says, oh, it says Eno's stupid. And it's definitely Brault. It says it right here. <laughs> Sean Foreman, I can't believe you did that, dude. It says don't listen to it Eno. It says don't listen to Eno. And then it has, well, it does have a link to your Twitter though. So that's cool. It gives you a little bit of pub. No, there is no pronunciation. So I think they are just saying when no. that, when it's that, they mean just sound it out. So it's the shrug emoticon. Exactly. Um, it's like, eh, whatever. But no, I think your point's well taken on, on the knee. It's pretty bad. I mean, it's bad. It's bad. What, who, I don't want any of those people pitching for me. Uh, Hutchinson maybe. I still have a little love. But, you know, we had that big Hutch love. We can't ignore that, that we were, this entire show possible. was diehard in on, on Hutch. But, but even that, you still are talking Chad Cool would then be in. I'm not in on Chad Cool. Zero percent. Not in on Brolt. Zero percent on both of them. Wade LeBlanc? No, no, no. Oh, well, Wade LeBlanc so. is actually a superstar in the making. I'm just going to – no, I'm kidding. Um, yep. But you also have to point out, as much as I love him, this is one of my favorite guys who you know disappointed me last year with the health. It's not like Garrett Cole is is – 
is set in stone for 200 innings. Yeah. And another guy yeah, so like it's just be a lot of opportunity. And if they're if they're good, they, I mean, they still could be good. I mean, they're a really interesting team. They're not. It's not like yeah, I saw somebody online being like, I was just looking at the Reds, and I think they're going to be good. And I think see Trent Rosencrantz was like. You're alone on that. Yeah, island. because how do you even make that case, right? I mean, I don't know. there are some lower. They're missing so many. They they don't even have a starting rotation. Their bullpen was like the worst ever last like year, like ever in oh, history. The, the Pirates have young guys at the places where they're most vulnerable, like Josh Bell at first yep. base, um, and um, I don't know if you can call Jung Ogong uh, a, a young, but Adam Frazier is like the new Josh Harrison. In that he's a plus hit tool guy, at least who can play all around the diamond and in the outfield. So Adam Frazier is, I think, probably their backup sh- uh, center fielder, third baseman, and second. And you baseman. got Alan Hansen around the rest of the infield. Right. So you know, and then you have the, one of the maybe the best outfield in baseball, mm-hmm. at least you know top two or three. It'd be, it'd be a really interesting discussion. And then you know, good good pieces all around, and then I think a great bullpen, actually, because the Juan Nicasio experiment didn't work out, so he's he's going to be a plus guy in the bullpen. Felipe Rivero has a nasty change. Tony Watson is great. Daniel Hudson was a great signing, and Bastardo, you know, if he's their fifth best guy, all of a sudden you've got a good bullpen. So, uh, if they're good, I think there'll be some pressure to use Glasnow. Okay. Well, that that that's that's fair. Because again, my my big discrepancy there is innings, and so it's it's a daily on situation. But also, I do worry about the control. I'm not sure how great he's going to be when he does pitch. Going to go for three hours, aren't we? Uh, probably. But I. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. Um, we'll, we'll go to the next one. Another Tyler here, Tyler Skaggs, uh, and then on the other two, uh, where you favor, maybe you could. I could be quick. Uh, I'll be. I'll just be quicker. I mean, for me, Skaggs. Uh... I, I, let me say, let me say where you got him first. You got him 58th. I have him 94th. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit sketchy on him. You're saying, Hey, it's once again, well, it's once again, the projection thing. Projections love his ass. I don't know why I'm with you, honestly, but I think if you, if you have projections, I, I'm a little bit, as much as I like certain guys or whatever, I'm a little bit nervous about pushing too far against the projections, right? So. Uh, projections have him at 36. Consensus was at 70. I am at 58. I lean consensus. I get your point 100%. Like, I don't even think you need to necessarily say it, but I think for me, uh, to project a guy with a career 4-6 ERA into a 3-5 pants, you know, I'm just, I'm like, what? You got the tail of those pants. Right. And then the, the strikeout rate was amazing and, his in like the minor leagues last year, I get that, but none of it came with him to the major leagues. Well, and it, he had an eight point one percent swinging exactly. strike rate. Exactly, I was going to say a twenty three percent strikeout rate, great, but an eight point one says uh, swinging strike says the strikeout rate is going to go back down, probably to to nineteen twenty percent. And as much as I like his pitches individually, I don't like his command, and I think that's going to make him play down always, and. Uh, I don't get the league average command projection. I actually like, just, like Skaggs a little bit as as a gamble, but I was uh, I was surprised by those gamble. projections for sure. He's a gamble, and for me uh, to put him where I did, I felt I was pushing him too high. Okay. So I think you're right. I think I would rather have Skaggs in that seventy to eighty. I'd rather have Skaggs next to Glass now. I'd rather have well a little bit higher because he's in the rotation. I'd rather have Skaggs. 
you know, in that cotton gray Manea, Manaya group. Well, that, you know, at that where point, it's we're like, not too far maybe he'll off. Be good. At that, if you yeah. bump him back down there, then, and then maybe I need to push him a little bit higher off of 94, given that he will have a spot and all that, then, then we end up becoming close. So let's move on to the other two. These two are, are right by each other. I'm pairing them, not because they're necessarily the same, but because, um, it's your 40-41, Garrett Richards, Jamison Tyon, and it's my 61-62. So we have vir- uh, the same split on these guys. And we have them grouped together, uh, just a little bit lower than each other. So, Garrett Richards, Jamison Tyon, start with Richards. Maybe, maybe I have them too high. I mean, they're, I think they both have injury risk. Then they both maybe have, I think Tyon has injury risk plus, uh, production risk because of the lack of the third pitch. Okay. So, that's why I have Tyon behind Richards. I think they both have ace-like upside though. And that's what really pushed them as high, as high as they did. I just think Tyon, if he figures out a cutter or if he changes the grip on that changeup, uh, adds a slider, I think he's going to probably come to camp now saying, I-, I can add something now, right? Because he pitched, had a healthy Oh, he's got to have some confidence now. after what he did, bounce him yeah, back. Yeah, exactly. So now he's going to spend spring not just trying to be healthy. He's going to spend spring being like, okay, I'm going to really work on this changeup or you know something. So, uh, And then Richards, I don't know, man. If he's healthy, he's an ace. So that I fully healthy, agree with. If you buy him at 40 and he's healthy, then you win. I mean, not win the league, but I'm just saying then that's a, that's a win for you. So. Especially if your other, if your guys are ahead help. of him quick, then you are starting to talk about. And he has two aces. I mean, yep. you could, if like you, if you go with Richards, Fulmer, and Thor. Carrasco. Yeah. You wouldn't have even had paid, you would have gotten the last guy in your three tiers and you could end up with three aces. Yeah, you would have started in like round five, um, f- late four, yeah. early five, and you could have three aces, which is, is going to be a tough feat. So I completely agree with you that the upside for Richards is ace. I was trying to temper the skipping TJ uh, situation. That's why I had oh him down at, at, at 61. That, that There was just a fear there as opposed to any sort of... Uh, what's that? I'm sorry? I'll just... Darts, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's. Tell. I want to talk a little bit more about this Tyon Ace thing, though. And this has intrigued me because I loved Tyon coming up as a uh, as a prospect. I was very high on him. I just uh, I thought I thought he had the good. I thought he had the business, if you will. Um, <laughs> by the way, well, it's great command. I yes. think it's really great command. It's sort of weird to pair with, you know, injury. His, you know, injury. Like you sort of think of Tyler Skaggs as having a lot of injuries because he's bad, poor command and. Poor mechanics, yeah, you know. Mechanics. Uh, Tyon, I think, might just be a bad body guy because if you think about it, he was trying to come back from an arm injury and then he had hernia. a hernia. hernia? Yeah. That's so. I think he's like a soft. Not, I'm not. I'm calling him soft. I mean, like his body is soft. Like his, like he's just like I get hurt all the well, time. We talked like, about this. Body's... Some guys have bad bodies. Like uh, the, yeah, the best yeah. example is Rocco Baldelli. He looked like he was supposed to be a Grady Sizemore type. Right, just one of these dynamic five-tool guys, and the body never cooperated. There's just some guys that the body doesn't matter what they do. Yes, yes, health can be a skill, and you can work at it, but there are exceptions. And I think some guys just get the crap end of the stick there. And you're suggesting that maybe Tyon is one of those guys who, you know, maybe he maybe he gets hit with a few more injuries here in his 20s. Hopefully not, but he did pitch well last year. I am intrigued by him for sure. Plus, um, plus command. Plus sinker. The sinker's nasty. Plus curve. Right? I mean, like, almost elite level sinker, yep. elite level curve. So, 
it's a really interesting thing where like it's not Rich Hill because he's a side it's like more of a lower slot, he's a sinker baller, right? It's not Rich Hill. But if you think about Rich Hill, he represents the ideal for a guy who has two really good pitches. Mm-hmm. And figures something out, throws a cutter, throws something to you know, whoa, what was that? You know, so that's, that's all I need. Would you take Tyon off that changeup and go for something else, like you're saying, cutter, or because he used it 11 percent of the time? I with the grip. Okay, I fiddle with the grip. I mean, it's just it just in terms of movement, it was is not. Maybe he needs to talk to Glass now, who you said cha- changed. So his it's grip. interesting that we're having this conversation, and you're you're low on Tyon, and I, with respect to the. Uh, the group was, oh, I, I was low compared to the consent, the auction calculator. Auction calculator spit out 21 for him. Whoa, I missed that. That's. And I was, so I think that's probably why consensus and I are about the same. I'm 41, consensus 47. Yep. So I'm sure you have Jeff Zimmerman or somebody using projections and loving it. I will, I will tell that, you exactly. Consensus. I will, I'll tell you exactly what that is right now. Oh, Jeff Zimmerman. Has him thirty fifth, and somebody has him higher. Al has him thirty seventh. Yeah, there you go. There isn't a lot of disparity. Um, If you look, the it's it's relatively tight from that thirty five to my sixty two. Yes, that's a bummer because I like him. It's not even it's not even a dislike thing, but sometimes you just end up the low guy, even if you kind of like the guy. I just didn't have him as high as the others, but I I fully uh, agree with what you're saying. Bad changeup, and and some of it is faith in the command and the ability. Like it is uh, four seam sinker curve. Like you could you could lie and call it three pitches. Sure, but. the change just like it's flatter and straighter than his sinker, and it's got seven mile an hour difference, which is below average. So it's just below average in every way, okay. and the outcomes were below average. So I don't know. I think I would think about a, a slider. I don't know. Maybe they had a, you know a lot of times they t- tell you not to throw the slider the first year after or the first X months after Tommy John surgery. So maybe he had a slider and he's going to bring it back or. Um, Cutter or, or change the grip on change. That's I think I think he'll. Pro- I mean, he's got to know, right? I mean, he only he threw it ten percent of the time, but he's got to know when he throws it that it's not even a, have as good a movement as his, as a sinker, well, right? I mean, especially he's, he's with throwing- the sinker that Tyon has, he has to know like God, I have to throw this stupid changeup again. Just don't get right, exactly. just don't get hit. Don't get. <laughs> let me get back to another sinker, but I'll have to throw a sinker after this changeup, uh, right, and right. and it's one of those things. But uh, okay. Uh, so your main point here is that there's more ceiling um, with Tyon, so don't sleep on him because you could really get a gem. Now, if you do take, like you said, if you take our auction calculator projections or if you're facing somebody who has those, you're going to have to bump Tyon up because they gave him a very uh, favorable ranking. Same with somebody like Adelione. And if you want those guys, if you want to bet on those guys, you have to push them up. That's why I like that you put both the consensus and the auction calculator to get a real diverse look of the straight numbers, uh, what five five different guys think, and then what you yourself thinks. Uh, actually, six different guys. So you have seven guys' opinions there between the six rankers yourself and then the, the raw, cold numbers of the auction calculator. So um, we are pretty agreed on, on Richards, to be honest. It was just a matter of me thinking that 40 to 61 isn't that different. Tyon, I didn't realize he had quite the upside that you're suggesting here. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty intrigued. I, I, I think I'm sold again. I think you've sold me on two different guys here that I might have to, uh, uh, adjust a bit. Well, I, 
in the end, it's all about your taste for injury at that point. I mean, it, it is gamble. a little bit high I'm maybe for your taste gambling. for injury. I mean, maybe 60 is a better place to take that sort of injury. But for me, I started looking at the guys. What happened was, you know, I was kind of ranking guys. I was like, okay, Harvey, injury risk, but we know he's great. Um, and he had the supposedly the better thoracic outlet, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, Shoemaker, do we know he can keep it up at sort of 50-50 splitter fastball? Can he really do that? Aaron Nola, injury risk, right? So there was a lot of injury risk already happening uh, above Tyon and Richards for me. And then below, it was injury risk plus production risk. Like Robbie Ray and Michael Pineda, Matt Moore, Vince Velazquez were below him, right? So, you know, for me, I was like, if these guys are healthy, they're going to be good. So I'm going to put them above the guys who have to get healthy and also prove they're good. Do you, want to fo- you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to foster a guess yeah. at where the uh, market has Jameson Tyon? Uh, with that projection, I bet you 50th starting pitcher off 38th. the board. 38th. Yeah, it's that projection. See, a lot of people are using our projections, yep. and, and if they use our projections, it's going to spit out something very close to the auction calculator. If you, I think one of the best things you can do is do what I did is put that auction calculator as one thing and then finagle your own rankings um, and then have those next to each other at, at auction day or draft and day. Even if right? you're not, you're gonna, even a fudge guy. If you want tie on, you yes. know, it's almost like ADP, you know, yep. maybe put ADP auction calculator or just use auction calculator instead of ADP because that's going to be funneling a lot of the people that are, that are doing those, making those that's decisions. That's the exact point I was going to make. You might have to fudge a guy, even if you don't fully believe it, just to say, well, if I want him, I have to push him up a little bit. Maybe not as high as the market, but I have to push him up a little bit uh, relative to, to where everybody else might draft him. So I, I totally hear you on that. Tyon is a very interesting guy, and if I want him, I'm definitely going to have to move him up because 62 is not going to cut it. All right, now let's talk about some guys that I favor and, uh, and get your thoughts on, on why you hate them, why you're such a, why you're such a hateful person, you know? I'm just kidding. But, uh, we're actually, we can pretty much flip the conversation that we had with DeLeon here for Mike Fultonevich because you have him 121 and I had him 78. And I, I'll get your opinion here, but I'll just say that I, I, I think it's the same sort of deal here where, I think the talent is there for both, but I don't think DeLeon's going to pitch much, and I think Fulte is. And so I, I like his stuff. I think his stuff is advancing, yeah, I, and I guess you're you're not so confident that he's going to go no, above 50-plus. There are two things going on here. I think I just messed up. Okay. I, I, he's too far down. I, in some ways, I mean, I like Matt Boyd some, mm-hmm. and so I put him in a group where I was like, and Christopher Devensky. Yes. You know, I put him in a group where I was like, and even Josh Hader and Cody Anderson. I like those guys. They are last picks for me in a deeper league, in a 15-team league or, or deeper, right? Um, but Fulton Edwards doesn't deserve to be there because his role is defined. Devensky needs Something, help. yes. Which I like and, him, by the way, too. The uh, the commenters were curious why he didn't get into the consensus rankings. He, and They don't seem to take him as a starter right now. I mean, they're just not... There's no chatter about him being in the rotation. He was he Zero. was impressive last year. He was a kind of a I know, but he's guy. he's like their on roster swingman. I right. guess is what they they even last year they talked about they want him in that role. So I guess that's the deal. But Fulte doesn't deserve to be there. If I can uh, redo my rankings on air, I would put Fulte uh, like eighty five ish. Okay, I think. And then we're dead nuts. Even, then he's basically. with Mike Montgomery, Ivan Ivan Nova, Alex Cobb, 
Glass now, Finnegan. You know, in there with some guys who don't have the role, but maybe I like their talent a little bit better. And then some guys who have the role, but I like their talent a little bit worse. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like right in there in that sort of uh, final pitcher territory. I should have given him more respect. Um, I don't know why I didn't just dive in on him a little bit better. I do remember thinking we talked about last year about how his his leap in first strikes, I believe. Oh, no, it wasn't first strikes uh, or zone percentage. I don't know how he um, improved his walk rate so much. Well, he took the leap two years ago because his walk rate from from 14 oh, to yeah, 15 yeah. was the, the bigger jump than it was last year. He went from 7-3 to 6-7, 15 One, to 16. One thing is, though, he does not have good command. He I mean, does not. Even if he gets the walk right down, he does not have good command. He's throwing, he's throwing fire in the middle of the zone. So I, I do think that that, those projections of him having like 1.2 home runs per nine, I think those are real. I think he's, he's never going to have like a 275 Babbitt. I think he's always going to be 300 plus. So, you know, I think that is he? A, I think the projections are a good place to start. Is Fulte a guy 417, who? 417, 430, 417 ERA, 30, 130 WHIP, almost a strikeout per nine. That's that's something I can believe in. You know, if if he gets that walk rate down further or makes a little further refinement, maybe he can do better. It's nice to start with strikeouts too. But um, my answer to you is, I was wrong to put him so low, but I wouldn't put him as high as you did. Okay. I would probably settle in around ninety. Is Fulte a guy who maybe brings the the mile per hour down uh, a, a tick or two in exchange for some command? Is that something that you think could work? I, I don't know. I mean, you don't want to slow your arm down or anything, but like, are there what alterations can he make to improve that command? Because the stuff can be the the breaking stuff is so, devastating. You know, Harry Pavley has found that there are better health outcomes for guys who don't pitch so close to their max. So, you know, that's an interesting thing for Fulty mm-hmm. too. So if, uh, if, uh, if he saw that, that research or somebody close to him saw that research, you may want to leave it a little bit in the tank. You know, if he's, he's also coming into town, ta- into town this year with a rotation spot in, in his back pocket from the beginning yes. of the year, you know, so that's a little bit different. So maybe he will pitch at 94. And uh, find his own more often. Okay. So. Okay. Uh, good talk on that one. Let's move over to Zach Davies, um, who I I was really surprised that we had such a big disparity because my ranking is partially influenced by your work. You have him 105. I had him 69th. And this was a guy that I liked all right. I probably would have. I, I don't know where I would have had him because I didn't have a ranking before I read the piece that I'll reference here in a moment. But I, I want to guess maybe like 80, 85. So I maybe moved him up, you know, uh, 10 to 15 rankings. Uh, or so here at 69th, which is nice. 69 is a nice ranking for, for Zach Davies. Uh, <laughs> but I was influenced by your piece that suggested that he might be the next Kyle Hendricks type. And yeah, I'm a little bit down on what Kyle Hendricks can do from an ace standpoint, but that doesn't mean I don't believe that he's a quality pitcher and, and what he does is real. It's just I'm not sure that it's elite level real. And so when you see somebody like Zach Davies doing it in the mid-tier, I think I can buy that. So, uh, like I said, you, you influenced my ranking indirectly there, or, or directly I should say, and then I saw you were way down and I'm like, well wait, that's interesting to me. Nice little, uh, full season last year, 163 in a third innings, 20% strikeout rate, 6% walk rate, um, 397 ERA, 125 whip, you know, it's fine, that's not special, but he's, he's kinda, over there in Milwaukee, not going to get a lot of attention. Feels like somebody you can get on the cheap to try to take and, and maybe 
mine some extra value out of if he is in fact one of these soft contact guys who can uh, who can be a bit of a Kyle Hendricks type. What do you think about Zach Davies? I mean, I think he can. I think he could be. I just think that Kyle Hendricks is uh, a unicorn. Maybe. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a hard. He's thing certainly to more advanced other... than that Davies by by a lot right now, and I definitely agree that. And, well, how many other Kyle Hendricks are there? How many other guys are throwing eighty nine and making Not it work? Many. Bartolo Colon is the only guy that even comes to mind, and he, we're talking about him as a sort of four ERA. You know, it's amazing he's doing what he's doing at 42. Exactly. You know what I mean? So there, there, it's not like, oh yeah, look, there are these 20 guys that he could be like. So, you know, it's probably, it's like more a probability. It's more like the guys I have next to, I think, Jose Barrios. He's the exact opposite way of getting to be great. Jose Barrios has all the stuff and the movement mm-hmm. he needs, and he just needs to make a refinement in either command or sequencing. In order to get to those strike counts where he can throw these things that move great and, and get swing strikes. So, you know, Burrios and Davies, I think, are really interesting to have next to each other, 105, 106, because they're both long shots, I think. At, at, and, at different ends. And in very different yep. ways, you know. Um, whereas, you know, a guy like Jeremy Hellickson, you know, has none of the same ceiling, but also none of the same floor. He'll probably at least be, you know, in the major leagues. A couple other unicorns. <laughs> and, uh, Marco Estrada. Uh, yeah. Keiko, when he was healthy. 87. Um, yeah. Mike Fires, is that, Mike Fires could be, Zach Davis could be a Mike Fires. That's not resounding, right? I'm not suggesting like, hey, you could get yourself a Mike Fires yeah. here, cause he's shown the range of, Mike Fires had some real bad Exactly. He's shown the range of how that can go. His 2015 for Fires was basically what Zach Davies did last year, 369, 125. But then last year for Mike Fires was 448, 136. You do, you do have me convinced though that I have him a little low. I mean, uh, I have Cody Reed ahead of him and Cody Reed is like another Jose Barrios to me. I think he's got great, great stuff. And he just needs to, Killer breaker, you know, somebody right? needs to click. Doesn't he have like a filthy yeah. breaker? Yeah. So, um, Chad Green, uh, you know, these guys, Luis Severino, one really good pitch, nothing else. Zach Davies should be ahead of Luis Severino okay. because Luis Severino might be a reliever. Change this year. of minds out here, folks. This is great. Look at So us. I will move Zach Davies from 105 up to maybe ahead of Eduardo Rodriguez because Eduardo Rodriguez is hurt. He needs to figure some stuff out a little bit. So I, I can move Davies all the way from 105 up to 92, 91, maybe ahead of Francisco Liriano, who is uh, the little girl with the curl, either terrible or great. But did get back uh, on Maybe track. ahead of David Feltz, who the oh. Marlins seem to only want in the bullpen. They've said repeatedly they really want him in the bullpen. I don't know why, but so, yes, they have been adamant about that. Oh, there's another unicorn. That's perfect. He belongs right behind Tyler Anderson. Oh, okay. Yeah. Bad park, bad fastball, yep. figured something out to get slow, to get low contact. Both are in the rotation. Both are interesting. I think I'd still take Brandon Finnegan above those two because I think Brandon Finnegan has a rotation spot, has velocity, has stuff, and showed a stretch of really figuring it out. When he started throwing the, the changeup to Anstrey really taught him. I so. agree. And I have Tyler Anderson at 80, so 69 to 80, not terribly different. Um, right. I, I agree with you that I do like Finnegan a lot. I, th- I think he has the filth upside as opposed to the more, um, 
unicorn upside if we're, if we're going to call it that. Yeah, yeah polished. Polish. So, okay, polish. great. Then, then, then we're moving Davies up a little bit. I'm moving, I'm moving Skaggs up a little bit. I'm moving Tyone up a little bit. Hey, we're changing minds. Let's talk Ivan Nova briefly here. We did, we did briefly, uh, dive in on the Pittsburgh rotation. Didn't talk so much about Nova. I thought once he got out of any park that didn't inflate homers the way uh, New York did, that this was going to be a guy that I was interested in. It just so happened that he ended up going to Pittsburgh, where it really doesn't inflate, it really stifles homers. And of course, you got the whole race surge thing that everybody gets hyped up about. I am at fifty-five. You have at eighty-six. Before you go, I will I will contend that, or not contend, but point out that maybe I'm a little too high. Maybe he should be closer uh, to the 60s because I'm not sure that push come to shove, I'm always going to take Nova ahead of Garrett Richards um, or even Tyone or certainly Waka. Now that now that Alex Reyes has his situation, there's no chance that I'm going to take Nova over Waka uh, all the time, let alone very often because I'm a huge Waka fan. So I probably need to move Nova down a little bit and I'll say maybe 62 you know, bump, bump him down there, and then you're bumping up the other guys um, a, a spot or two. But even still, that'd be 62 versus 86, so we would still have a pretty sharp discrepancy there. So give us your thoughts on Ivan Nova. Yeah, I just, you know, it's one of those things where I don't, I don't believe either number. You know, it, it, he gave up 1.8 homers per nine in New York, and he Point, gave up 0. .5 yeah. or .6 with the Pirates, so... I'm taking the in-between, and that's what the projections are doing. I don't see, like, a massive change in Pittsburgh. You know, it's not like he – he did start throwing a changeup a little bit more, but not Wait. a lot more. I mean, the, the difference between 2 and 6% in terms of changeup usage is – um I don't know, negligible. It's like one change up. I'm going to disagree with you that there wasn't a big change, though, because I think part of the reason that he, he – you know, he, he, once he realized he wasn't going to give up as many homers in Pittsburgh, Ivan Nova got a lot more confident throwing the ball in the zone. It went from 42% to 48. His first pitch strikes mm. went from 58 to 67. And I'll grant immediately that 65 innings in Pittsburgh is a small sample. So maybe you can't take 48% zone and 67% first pitch That's over a, big a full season. Though. But I think confidence was a, a big factor there. I know that's not as, as much of a, t- uh, a tangible thing to look at. No, no, it's, 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 like we said earlier, it's a big part of command. That's why he didn't walk anybody. Exactly. In so, so that, that's where I, I think that when you look at a homer nine, I kind of like where the, right, uh, where the projection said point nine. You know, he's still going to go up some homers because he doesn't throw overly hard and he is going to fill the zone, but I don't think he's going to give up over one and that's going to be a sharp change for Ivanova. And that's why I think he can be like a mid threes guy. Guy, um, and get you a bunch of innings, and then if he gets a little Babbitt block uh, to go with the lower home run rate, then we're talking maybe a three thirty on the high end. You know, that's not that's not the greatest upside in the world, but I, I I do like what we saw when he went to Pittsburgh, and that's where my confidence comes. Let's see if I can move him. Uh, you see, the problem is I just have a lot of guys around him that I like. I mean, uh, Roark has more pitches. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he can move ahead of Montgomery. Montgomery doesn't Well, here's have the thing though, yet, we're in so. that range just, he's of preference. Montgomery. Yeah. But, you know, it's worth pushing him up. Maybe I have Giselle in a little high. You just like the uh, hair. I could push. Don't, don't lie. Just, you put yeah. him, you, get, you gave him I'll 20 push. extra ranks because of the hair, didn't you? You had him 95, you I'm looked gonna, at a picture of the hair, and you're like, I gotta get him up to 75. I'm gonna push uh, Giselle down a little bit, and that's gonna push Nova okay. up okay. one. 
um, just by uh, virtue of. But then you're getting into Junior Guerra and Daniel Norris, guys that have like uh, more arsenal, like wider arsenals, better stuff, mm-hmm. you know, more ceiling. I was way too low on Daniel Norris. I, that's one of my biggest regrets. If I, it's like once I get to seventy one and seventy, then I've got veterans that are a little bit like Nova, like Lance Lynn or Jordan Zimmerman, who have done, have been better than Nova for long stretches. Who've actually been great. Both of those guys have been great before, and so I totally get that. I totally get that. Nova at this point is league average velocity almost, and he's so. not young. You know, he's not he's not some up and coming. Yeah. He's going to be age thirty season, so that that's fair. But 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 you know, you move him up a few ticks. We're closer than at that point, especially since I said I I need to bring him down a little bit. I'm a little bit robust. By the way, I'm actually I am actually moving these guys uh, as we speak, so um, I will update my ranks. There you go, folks. Why on not? the spot? I know it's no, cheating. no, it's not cheating. It's, cheating. it's, it's talking it's cheating. further. No, no, no. I, 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 I'm gonna take you off the hook on that one. I don't think it's cheating at all. I think you discuss. <laughs> we, we, we see things at different angles. We can't do a full breakdown of all these guys when we're ranking them. So there's gonna be just kind of misses yeah. of like, well, I couldn't really deep dive on this guy, so I had to move on. Like I said, I had a big regret on on Daniel Norris, and he's on my favorite team for crying out loud. And I feel like I need to move him up. So I'm gonna update mine. At some point as well, maybe over the weekend. But we've got two more to talk about here. Uh, Sonny Gray, uh, for me, I got him at 44, yeah, I'm at 68. I guess I just believe in a little bit of a bigger bounce back. I don't know that 44 and 68 is, is so vast. So I'm not so much worried about our gap. I'm just more interested in your thoughts on Sonny Gray and if he can rebound. Yeah. For me, the thing was, I'm not sure that he ever deserved the, Crazy numbers he had the, when he first I broke in. I certainly agree there. And I, of... I remember being on this podcast saying he should not be a top 20 starter. I thought that that was crazy, even though I liked Sonny Gray. But then, of course, last year was an injury-riddled yeah. crap fest, and I think he's much better right. than that. Yeah, but, you know, injury projects injury predicts That's injury. True. And then he never found that third pitch. He There's a couple times where he found a third pitch where he kind of was throwing the curveball harder and had some sort of slider thing. But... I see him actually fiddling with the grips on the mound. Like I see him trying to do stuff pitch to pitch. And you could call that pitchability or you could say he hasn't found it yet. So, um, I'm a little bit nervous about him. I'm a little bit nervous about him. I just, I wish he'd found a third pitch by now, even just a cutter or something. But he, the, the, the third pitch has just been so many different things. It's been a cutter and a slider and he even had a change, but the numbers on the change in terms of movement were like backup change. I mean, just like some sort of weird no fade change. So are, so, you, are you more, um, for Sonny Gray, are you more with the projections of 401 ERA 133? In fact, that's what depth charts and steamer say. Yeah. I am, I'm close to there. I might, I might give him a little bit more of a park boost than they're willing to give him, but. Yeah, unless he really punches that curveball usage up to 30% again. I mean, that's, I think, part of the genius of the first two years. You know, uh, the, the 2013 and 2014 was, he was throwing the curveball 30% of the time and he was almost like a Rich Hill type. That's why he had the 275 ERA, uh, 275 BABIPs those two years, uh-huh. right? Uh, but then he started fiddling with that third pitch and you can see it. Yeah, he had a good year in 2015, but in 2016, I think part of it was also that people were like, well, you know what? That third pitch is no good, you know? And, uh, I'm going to start aiming for that pitch. And if you look at his curveball usage that year, it was, uh, one of his worst. I mean, one of his lowest. So 
you know, I think he should go back to that curveball. It was his lowest. Uh, I guess a little bit lower than 14, but it's hard to know what he's actually throwing because they're the sl- slider curveball changeups. They're all one pitch that he's like messing Agreed. with. Agreed. Uh, that, that is a, an interesting thing on the pitch distinctions for Sonny Gray, but I just think he'll bounce back some. I think it will be better than the 401, 133. I'm much closer to the fans at 347, 123. I have him like 370, I'm sort of in between 375, 129. Okay. Yeah. And that, that, again, 68, you're saying he should get drafted. I'm just showing a little bit more confidence there. That's why I wasn't so honed in on our discrepancy. I think it's really interesting that I have the other two guys in his, in his rotation ahead of him. I'd rather, Manaya, I have ahead, ahead of Cotton, who everybody knows I have a total boner <laughs> for. And, uh, and the reason for me on that one is the floor, I think, for Manaya is higher. When you have a really great sinker and a really good changeup, you're going to have a really great ground ball rate and you're always going to be, you know, at least mm-hmm. okay. Whereas Cotton could be back in the minors because he's, he's fiddling with his delivery some. He's fiddling, um, you know, he's fiddling around with his pitches a little bit. He's had bad home run rates. He's had bad uh, balls and play rates before. So if he gets beat around a little bit and has to go back to the minors, that's a pretty bad floor. So, um, but for me, ceiling is higher on Cotton than Manaya because the three pitches that he's shown, in terms of fastball cutter and and changeup, I think are each better than Manaya's best. I only had Manaya six six spots lower than Gray, so I'm, I'm very close on them. And then I had Cotton at 64, so I'm with you of of Manaya over Cotton, uh, even though I, I share your. They're love. all really I interesting, agree. and I might just take the guy who drops. Yeah, somebody, I, I'm, you know? I'm gonna have I'm gonna have shares of all three. Uh, and it's going to be draft dependent yeah. um, on on who on who the draft gives me. But I'm I'm interested in all three for for different reasons, really. You know, Gray on a bounce back, the other two on on kind of an emergence sort of thing. But I'm interested in all three. You got to love pitchers in that park as well. All right, last guy again. Not so much on the discrepancy, but just more interested in how you feel about Rick Porcello. I had him at 25. You had him at 38. And I think let me check before I speak. Okay, I, I wasn't. I was actually kind of in line with. Uh, I was actually one of the, high, the tied for the highest. I don't even feel great about Porcello, but I had him at twenty fifth because I. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a scrub. Um, and in fact, nobody does. Our discrepancy uh, in the consensus, the biggest gap there was from twenty five to thirty six. So very similar to what you had. You would have been the low guy if you were on the consensus. Low, but at thirty eight, it's only two spots lower, and it, it's just not that big a split. So again, I'm less concerned with the split di- distance. And more concerned with how you actually feel about Porcello coming off of that stolen Cy Young. And do you think he'll get prosecuted for stealing Justin Verlander's Cy Young? <laughs> okay, good. Yes. By the public court, the yes. court of public opinion. I, I just, I, yeah, maybe I could have him ahead of Nola and Stroman who kind of need to make adjustments or get healthy. But Shoemaker has been, like, ever since he went to the splitter, he's been great. And, Deservedly great. Oh, I you know love I mean? like, Shu. My only numbers, issue, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Like, I'm just saying the numbers, like the the peripherals, deserve, the ERA deserves the peripherals. Where I just don't see that with Porcello. Like, I see him going back, not you know 2014, but I see him kind of going back to before, uh, or not 2015. I see him going back to like. Um, Are you? Are you concerned well, about the head injury? Though? Like that's the only thing I we don't know how he's going to be. We're talking been talking a lot about confidence this episode. That's my only concern with Shu, or else I probably would have had him. Where did I have him? 
Let me look real fast here. I had Shoemaker at 58. I probably have him at least 10, 10, 15 spots higher if I know that he's going to feel confident stepping back on the mound after getting drilled in the head. That's my only issue. I think it's a head. It's not a uh, confidence, but he has all spring. He's got to, he's got to get out there. Um, That's true. That's true. It's not an arm or anything. And Porcello, to me, it's just, um, sometimes you gotta just sort of squint your eyes and look at a guy's career and you're like, wow, only twice in his career. And it's a 1500 inning career at this point. Only, okay, three times. One time was a 396 ERA, but only twice has he had an ERA better than Mm -hmm. 375. Been under four. Uh, only twice has he. Uh, yeah. He had oh yeah. Okay. I mean, we can call that four on his rookie yeah. year. Um, yeah, exactly. But yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. you look at it and the results. He has a, a good, good pitcher. pitcher. Damn good major league pitcher. He's great for the Sox, who can put him, you know, third behind two mm-hmm. aces, and uh, and he's uh, a guy who's been durable. So you know that that part's you know real life is good. But I I think it'll it'll be a lot closer to four. I I, I believe the projections. I, I think. I thought I was worried it was too high because if you do believe the predictions to get a guy with a three nine four ERA there is is uh, is a poor choice. <laughs> I, I agree, but but there's enough of that four seamer change they made where I can say because there are there are other guys there that could put up a four ERA like Stroman. Stroman actually was making a lot of the same uh, diff changes that mm-hmm. Porcello made, where he started going back to using the four seam as a strikeout pitch. And, uh, and, and fiddling around with his, his pitch mix. So, you know, I should at least have Porcello ahead of Stroman because he made the adjustment, whereas Stroman sort of might have, you know? But that's one spot for me. And I thought they were very similar guys where it's like, I think the floor is very high because they should probably get a lot of wins. And, you know, 375 seems like a good place to put them. And there's no questions about, like injury, and not I didn't say fewer questions about injury than guys around him, like that, Matt that, Harvey and Garrett. And that's stuff, what got so. me on Rick Porcello to be at 25. Was I just thought in, in this sea of warts, he doesn't really have any, except that maybe you're just worried about the regression of the performance. But but in terms of the the ancillary concerns, I don't have that many. I feel like I'm going to get 200 plus innings or at least a buck 80, which I'll take the certainty of a buck a buck 80 and gobs of wins, and probably not 22 again, but like 15, 16 wins uh, from Porcello with a mid threes ERA and enough strikeouts. And again, if if even if he's only at seven, eight, seven, six strikeouts per nine over 220 innings, if he goes that high again, that works. He had 189 strikeouts last year. So unless you do K9, if you just do straight Ks, Porcello is actually a little bit of an asset uh, sneakily because he logs so many innings. And he does have 200-plus innings in two of the last three years. So I do think that that's another interesting part, although in that other year, uh, it was his last year with the Tigers, and he only had a 5-7 strikeout per nine. So he does need to maintain this new 7.5 sort of strikeout rate that we've seen the last two years from Porcello. So um, he'll be an interesting draft. I think some people will overdraft him, and I think in some leagues the entire league will be against him. And, and he'll fall to like the 40th pitcher. That'll happen every once in a while. And then I would be more than comfortable to jump in. But uh, if you want stability and you've drafted some shakiness up front and you plan on drafting some shakiness in the middle, I think that's that's the kind of rotation where you would like to have Porcello's innings. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I will uh, revise my my rankings and put them up. Okay, uh, sounds shortly. great. You know, 
there's not not too much. It's just the sort of little stuff that we that we talked about. Skaggs down a little bit. Uh, Giselleman down a couple spots. Fulte. Uh, Fultinevich and Davis, Davies okay. up a little bit. Well, we didn't go three hours, but we did go an hour and a half. Um, pretty much on straight pitchers. I think people are going to enjoy that. Um, don't think that this is it for pitcher talk, though. We will revisit again in March after we get some more data and we, and we all update our rankings. We will, we will jump back on board, but uh, great talking to you, Eno, and I'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>